how many of you have ever been to a website called the Darwin Awards? Anybody? Now, it, occasionally I go there because, um, actually there's a book out called the Darwin Awards, and, and let me explain why. Darwin Awards are given to individuals who most creatively remove themselves, that's key, from the gene pool. You, you with me? These people are dead. They're dead at their own hands. They're dead because of stupid decisions they made. So let me share you this one. And if you ever go there, you just go to DarwinAwards.com. If you ever go there, um, it will say at the top whether it's confirmed true or not. Because there's some that are legend. And well, that, legends are funny, but it, it's funnier to me, and it's actually sad, if, if this actually happened. This one was recorded in February, 30, uh, February 3rd, 1990 in Washington, in the state of Washington. And I just just listen to this. The following mind-boggling attempt at a crime spree appeared to be the robber's first, his first attempt, due to his lack of previous record of violence and his terminally stupid choices. All right. These pile up. Number one, his target was H&J Leather and Firearms, a gun shop. Number two, the shop was full of customers. What kind of customers go to a firearms shop? shop. Firearms customers. Number three, to enter the shop, the robber had to step around a marked police car parked at the front door of the firearm shop. Number four, a uniformed officer was standing at the counter having coffee before work. Upon seeing the officer, the would-be robber announced a holdup and fired a few wild shots. The officer and clerk promptly returned fire, covered by several customers who also drew their guns, thereby removing the confused criminal from the gene pool. No one else was hurt. <laughs> you you, you got to whether you think that's funny or not, you got to go, what was he thinking? Why would you go into a firearm shop? I mean, that's like going just about anywhere in Texas. Somebody going to have a weapon and they know how to use it. And they're going to hurt you. Why would somebody be so stupid? Now, we might not go to a firearm shop and try to rob it. But, but can anybody admit that there are some decisions you've made in your life that you wish you hadn't? Okay, let's just, let's just see if, if, um, if we're all in, in the same boat here, how many of you have relationships that you shouldn't have been in? How many of you have made financial decisions that you wish you had that money back? Oh, that's, that's a bunch. Um, how many of you dated dipsticks, whether that's male or female? How many of you would be called the dipstick in the dating relationship? Uh, yeah, fewer of us admit that one. Um, when I look back on my life, there are times that I go, how could I have been so stupid? Now it seems so obvious that I shouldn't have been in those relationships. Now it seems so obvious that um, I shouldn't have been in those situations. Had I not been in those relationships, had I not been in those situations, I would have saved myself and my family a lot of grief, much not to mention bail money. Um, and now, you know, a lot of us have the value of experience and we look around and we see other people back behind us and we see them 
making the same mistakes we did. And they're in the same situations we were in. They're the same relationships that we were in. And we don't want them to make a mistake. I mean, part of the reason I got into ministry, into youth ministry, because I wanted to help teenagers not be as stupid as me. And so you look around and you see people and you desperately don't want them to go through the pain that you went through. And so you do what somebody did to you back when you were in that state and you say something. And they respond to you exactly like you responded to someone who spoke to you back in the day. And they say, butt out! None of your business. Or they say, but you don't understand. I love him. I love her. I just... <laughs> and you go, so what? It's not worth it. And they just blow you off and you walk away shaking your head because you're going, God, if they would only listen. And, and you think, why won't they listen? And, and I've got the answer. Because we're stupid. We make choices with our hearts based on faulty information and we do stupid things all the time. I read a book last year called The Best Question Ever. And, uh, it's by Andy Stanley. He's one of the pastors that I listen to his sermons and I have DVDs of his. I have several books of his. Just a great guy. He's in Georgia, has a, has a church for about 30,000 people in, in Georgia. He wrote a book called The Best Question Ever. Read it last summer and it just, it revolutionized my thinking. It revolutionized the way Janie and I make decisions. And I've been wanting to share it with you and, and once I started getting questions from you, I realized that we had to do this now. We can't put it off because, um, all of us are, or dipsticks at one time or another. Now, here's what I want you to realize. There are three verses in the Bible. I memorized these verses years ago. I mean, back when I was a teenager, I memorized these verses, and it wasn't until last year that I finally had my eyes open and I began to apply these verses specifically the way God intended for them to be applied. And and here's what I want you to know. Uh, God, God is a master at redeeming your past. You cannot change your past. Some of us wish we could, desperately that we could, but you can't. God's not so interested in your past other than this. God will redeem it. What I mean by that is God will take your biggest mistake you've ever made, that stuff that nobody knows about, those deep, dark secrets that you would be afraid to admit to anyone else. If you'll allow God to, He will take those mistakes, redeem them, make them connection points, contact points with some of these people who are going down the same path you went down. Maybe even they've gone through the path and they've made the mistakes and they're suffering severe consequences. God will allow you to connect with them because they'll see you've been down the road. You can understand how they feel because that's one of the greatest things people don't... Re they think, I'm the only one who's ever suffered this and you don't understand. Well, if somebody's been down that road, they can say... I understand. And it gives you this connection point where you can talk to that person and you might be able to share how God has been faithful and generous to you and brought you from this horrible past into a, a, a brighter future. And God can give you this connection. You can't change the past, but if you'll turn it over to God, He will give you a connection with someone else. But here's, here's what God is interested in. God is interested in your future. Um, had, had a nephew get arrested. I've been down that road. Actually, I've had two nephews get arrested. I've been down that road, so I could actually say, I know how you feel. Um, and, and, and I told them the same thing I'm going to tell you today. I told them, 
God's not worried about that. That's not going to keep you from being the man God wants you to be in the future. What's going to keep you from being the man God wants you to be in the future is stupid decisions. Learn from your past. Learn from other people's past. That's even wider, wiser than learning from your past. Let somebody else make a few mistakes. And so what we're going to do is we're going to open up God's Word and we're going to, we're going to find out that God has a plan. God has a way for you to make foolproof decisions. But I'm going to give you a warning. Some of you are going to hear this and you're going to say, I ain't doing that. You're on your own. God doesn't promise to be with a fool. God promises to be with people who are obedient. So if you are if you already know up front, you're just going to keep making stupid decisions, just tune me out. But if you want to have a different future than what you've had in the past, then hang on. Let's look at these verses. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. So be very careful how you live. You got those... Pop those up there, Drew. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. We ran out of listening guides, and they just made some more. So if you need a listening guide, raise your hand. Um, we're going to pass those out real quick. That's our bad. Got a couple up here on the front row. One here and one here. You don't need more than one, but you could use one. All right, thank you all. Um, here we go, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good, because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. Now, here's the question. I don't know if you saw it, but here's the question. It's earth-shattering. You ready for it? It's on your listening guide. What is the wise thing to do? All right, now... <laughs> Some of you are like, okay, dude, you've been building this up for a month now, telling us how we can foolproof it, and that's it? What a letdown. Well, hang on. We're not, we're not finished yet. Um, in order to answer the question, how can that help you? How can this question help you? How can this be the best question ever? Let's back up and let's figure out why Paul wrote this letter. The, the book of Ephesians is a letter to the church at Ephesus. And let's figure out what he was trying to say and see if it applies to today. Now, Ephesus was written to a mixture of Jews, the, the people of God, and Gentiles. Gentile was anybody who was not um, a Jew by nationality, not a Jew by birth. So um, Gentiles, Jews, they're in this church in Ephesus, and Paul writes to them. And, and the situation, Paul says, in Ephesus was they were in evil times. He says, you got to pay attention because you are in evil times. What does that mean? When Paul first visited Ephesus, he, he visited, he established a church, he stayed there a while, built the church, and then he went off, he heard that the church was struggling, so he wrote a letter. Well, when he first got there, he found out that these people were very, very religious. The, the, their God was not um, the God that we serve with a capital G. Their goddess was a lowercase g, and her name was Artemis. I don't know if you've studied anything about Artemis, but there was a huge temple in Ephesus to the goddess Artemis. You know how they supported the work of the temple? Prostitution. You know how they got people to come to church? Part of the worship of the goddess Artemis was you were to have sex with the temple prostitutes. So as you can imagine, religion was very important to certain men in Ephesus. They didn't come for the preaching, they didn't come for the music, but they came for the sex. Um, 
And so you got to understand that this is the, the, the situation that, that Paul is writing to. And he's saying, you people used to do this. You used to go to the temple of Artemis. You used to be involved in this type of stuff. He says, but you are now following a God that actually has power. Not some statue, not some um, fertility religion where you go and have sex and that's supposed to make you have more finances. He says, you're following a real God. One who raised from the dead. One who is no longer dead. And some of the Christians there were being tempted to blend some of the old lifestyle with the new lifestyle. And Paul says, all that does is cause bondage. All that does is cause hurt. You are not going to get where you want to be if you're blending immorality with Christianity. Your lives are going to suffer for it. And they were suffering. So Paul says this. He says, be very careful how you live. And, and literally that means be very careful how you walk. Watch your step. Now, I don't know if you've heard about this, but a couple of weeks ago or several weeks ago, Jeff's daughter, Mandy, was bitten by a copperhead. We have a picture of that copperhead. Um, that's a little over two feet long. She and her mom were just two, two lots down here. They were out walking one evening about dusk, and the snake came out and it bit Mandy. And she had to go to the emergency room. They, they had to get, call the, the guy out at the, the, the land and have him find the, the, Snake, and, and that snake will no longer be biting anyone else. Um, he found it, they identified it, and they gave her some medicine. Now, her foot swelled up like unbelievably. I saw a picture of that too. Like it's, you know, it, it doesn't look like that foot belongs in that skin because it swells up. And then she got sick as a dog, not only from the, the poison, but from the medicine that they administered so that she could feel better. So she is just sick as a dog for a couple of, of days, and then she gets better. Well, we were at a, a play last Sunday night. My daughter was in a play, a drama over at First Baptist. And so we came out and we saw Mandy and her mom. And I said, Mandy, I hadn't seen you. How are you doing? She said, oh, I'm fine. And we talked just a little bit. And I said, that is so scary. And, and then both of them, their eyes got big. And you know what they said to us? Be very careful where you walk. Be very careful. Now, why is that such a big deal to them? Because they saw what happened, the results of not being... I mean, we don't think about it. My dad used to warn me that every tall piece of grass had a snake in it. And, you know, after dad warned me for a while, I quit believing him. You know, I remember being 10 years old and I'm going, there ain't no snake there. You say that about everything. But when Mandy said it, I listened because she's been bitten. She's been hurt by this snake. And I was like, oh, dude. And then I started talking to people, and people are killing copperheads all over the place. Because of the drought this summer, copperheads are coming up in yards, and they're trying to get water. And, and I have three little ones, and I'm thinking, I do not want my kids bitten by a snake. I saw the results. Be very careful where you step, kids. That's the exact phrase that Paul uses to the people in Ephesus. He's saying, be very careful where you walk. I have a dog in my backyard. If you're not very careful where you walk, you will step in it. Now, that's I, I, I will use any method to get across to you that you must watch. Because if you're not careful, you're going to end up where you don't want to be. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people here not where you want to be. You had hopes and dreams. Somewhere along the lines, you were not being careful. And you stepped in it, and your life smells like it. And you don't want to be there anymore. Well, let's pay attention. And maybe God has something to say about that. Don't live 
like the unwise. One translation says, don't live like fools. Don't be a fool, God says. And thank you, God's Word, for giving us that wise instruction. And, and I bet if we were to look at our lives today, live wisely, is that what everyone says about your life? There is the wisest person I know. Are they coming to you for wisdom? Are the people you're hanging out with wise people? I know you. I know your friends. Wisdom is not necessarily the word that I would choose. Most people don't ask what is the wise thing to do. Since I've been in ministry, I started as a youth minister when I was 19. And and actually, I used this question before I was in youth ministry, and then I don't call this the, the best question ever. I call this question that most people ask, I call it the most popular question ever. If you've ever come through youth ministry or if you've you know, been a teenager, you probably know what the question is. Anybody want to take a shot at it? What is the most popular question ever? How far is too far? How far is too far? And uh, here's what people are wanting to know. How far can I go without breaking the law? How close can I get to disaster without experiencing the consequences? How far can I go and it not be called sex? How far can I go without having to get married? How far is too far? And then they'll play these, these mental verbal gymnastics to try to convince themselves. Because see, you don't ever have to convince yourself that the right thing to do is the right thing to do. You have to convince yourself that the wrong thing to do is the right thing to do. And so people will say stuff like this. There's no law against it. There's no law against jumping off a cliff. Everyone else is doing it. That's brilliance there. It feels good. I'm not hurting anybody. Well, you're lying. You're probably hurting yourself and you're probably hurting everywhere around, everyone around you. How far can I go in my dating, in my sex, in my money without breaking the law? That's as wise as saying, how many times can I jack around with that copperhead snake before I get bit? I didn't get bit last time. My mom did it. Yes, she didn't get bit. Well, okay, idiot. If that's the standard of your life, go on. But then don't come crying to the people who love you. Lord, we told you. You didn't want to listen. That's okay. Ugh. <laughs> I've been mountain climbing before, and I've been on the edge of cliffs. I, we actually drove, when, when uh, we went to Montana years ago on a mission trip, we drove down Beartooth Pass. Beartooth Pass, one of the coolest places in the world. It's, it's listed as one of the top five drives in the United States because, dude! Now, I've been up in the mountains, and I've driven vans and all kinds of stuff, but Beartooth Pass was the baddest pass that I've ever been on we, there were places where, like, there's 15,000 foot drop. Not quite that high, because you can't get that high in the United States. You understand what I'm saying? And I was driving, and for the first time in my life, because, man, I like to be near the edge. But I told Janie, I said, I was freaking out. I had a death grip. Because Caleb and Rachel, Rachel was uh, three months old. Caleb was three at the time. And they're in there, my parents are in there, and I have this death grip on the wheel. And normally I'm checking stuff out, but I'm thinking, they're all trusting me to get them down and they're having a good time like, golly look at that look how far it is down there and I'm going I'm watching the road 
Now, I, I've been skiing where we where we were some places we should not have been, and we I've fallen down places that I should not have been, and I learned something wise. If you don't want to fall off the cliff, back up. How smart is that? See, people are living this, how far is too far? That's walking on the edge. If you don't want to fall, back up from the cliff. How do you do that? Well, I'm trying to show you. Paul says that wise people make the most of their lives. Because the days are evil. Now, let me ask you a question. Because a lot of people say, oh, that Bible, that's old. That Bible, it, it applies. Are the days evil today? Are the days any less evil than they were when Paul wrote this to the people in Ephesus? No. Um, so you're saying that people aren't evolving into these wonderful, kind-hearted folks today? No. We are remarkably similar to Ephesus. Um, in Ephesus, the Ephesian culture, they did not encourage people to do the wise thing. Does our culture encourage people to do the wise thing? Commercials, come on. Are they encouraging you to do the wise thing with your money? With your life? No. So, Paul says, do not be foolish. Then look at the last phrase. He says, learn what the Lord wants you to do. One of the biggest questions I got in youth ministry, and I get now, is how can I know God's will? This verse actually implies that it's possible to know God's will. Um, and what that means is we've got to face up to the fact that God has a standard and it's not our standard. It's not how far is too far. God's standards are higher. Last week we looked at the fact that God didn't come. Jesus didn't come walk on this earth to lower the standards, to dumb down the standards. Jesus actually came and he raised the standards. You remember? Because he said, uh, um, you've heard that it said that you should not commit adultery. He said, I say if you even think about a woman lustily, you're committing adultery in your heart. And he says, you know, you've heard that it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Jesus said, not only am I, am I raising the bar, I'm going to tell you to love your enemies and pray for them. And most people are going, I don't even pray for myself. I don't pray for people I like. You're telling me to pray. Jesus didn't come to dumb down anything. He came to raise the standard. And what this means is to learn God's will means recognize God has a plan for your life that is higher than your plan. It's better than your plan. It's probably going to be harder than your plan because God wants you to depend on Him, not on yourself. God's standard is, is higher than how far is too far. God's standard is, is it wise? Would wise people do what you're considering doing? And some of you, I know, I know you. Some of you right now are going, I don't want to ask that question. Because I know the wise thing to do. I just don't want to do it. What does that say about you? You've just learned something about yourself. If you know the wise thing to do and you don't want to do it, then you are specifically saying to God, butt out of my life, you don't understand, I'm going over here and doing my thing, and God says, I love you and I want what's best for you, but because you're stubborn, I'll let you go. But you're on your own. It just doesn't sound like the wise thing to do. Now, if you are, if you keep ending up in places you don't want to be, maybe it's time to try something different. Doesn't make sense that if you want to end up in a different place, you gotta get on a different path. Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna expand this discussion. And, and today, I just want to challenge you, in our last few minutes, I want to challenge you to ask this question, what is the wise thing to do on three different levels? Level number one, 
in light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? Okay, let's, let's think about this. In light of where my life ended up the last time I made this choice, what is the wise thing to do? In light of what happened to me last time I went there, the last time she invited me over, the last time I went to that bar, the last time I went out with the guys, in light of what happened in my past, what is the wise thing to do? If you're divorced, what is the wise thing to do? Is it wise to start dating immediately after a divorce, after your marriage is over? Is it wise to start dating while you're married? Come on! We're playing games. No, that's not the wise thing to do. If you've been deeply in debt, should you respond to the credit card offers? But I'm pre-approved! I can be a platinum member. That's better than gold. Gold used to be the standard. Now platinum... Is that wise? No. If you're dating in light of your past relationships, is it wise for you to be going out with a jerk? And I hear this all the time. Why does every relationship end up the same way? And you know what my answer is? Because your relationships start the same way. You're not asking, is it the wise thing to do? You're asking, does it feel good? Does it make me feel good? If you struggle with drugs and alcohol, does it, is it wise to hang out where people are doing that stuff? No. If you struggle with pornography, is it wise not to have a filter on your internet? No. Let me just mention Celebrate Recovery here. Why go to Celebrate Recovery? Because it's the wise thing to do. Is it convenient? No. Is it the cool thing to do? No. Why go? Because it's wise. Is it wise to go to Financial Peace University? I can't afford Financial Peace University. You think you're going to get on the right track if you wait till you can afford it? Is it convenient to give up 13 weeks on Sunday night to go to Financial Peace University? No. Why go? Because it's the wise thing to do. Your way isn't working. Why not try a different path? Level number two. In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? So in light of your current reality, what is the wise thing to do? In light of this season of my life, and, and we talk about this a lot, there's a difference in a season of life and a way of life. Um, Janie and I are in a new season of life. It is, it is like a freedom season because our kids can go to the bathroom by themselves. Our kids can bathe themselves. They can brush their teeth. They can clothe themselves. They can even cook their own supper. Freedom! And we have this rule at our house. Your friends must be able to do the same thing. Or they can't come over. Because Jamie and I are just at this new place in life. Now there were times when we had little ones. Janie didn't, sometimes she didn't come to church. Not because she wanted to skip church, but because the kids were sick. Is it wise to bring a snotty-nosed, puking kid with diarrhea to church? Come on. I don't want that. No, come on. She missed a lot of activities. She didn't go on youth trips with me, and I went on a lot of youth trips. Why? Because our kids were young, and it was just not wise. We would do one trip a year where we went to Glorietta, and that was really cool. Um, 
Torreta's a Baptist encampment in New Mexico, and it's just awesome. The reason we went there is because they had private rooms where I could have a room with my family. But any place we went to dorms, I didn't take my kids because it wasn't the wise thing to do. So we just got to ask, in, in light of our current season of life, men, in light of the relationship that you have with your children, is it wise for you to be working all the time? No. In light of your current financial situation, is it wise to buy a new car? Is it wise to buy a new house right now? It doesn't mean you're always going to be this way, but be wise. Should you buy anything if you're already $30,000 in debt? That's not necessarily wise. Never do I hear somebody say this. Never do I hear somebody say, man, I waited too long to open that credit card account. My life would be so much better if I'd have gone into debt soon. Never do I hear somebody in, in premarital counseling or, or actually marriage counseling. Never do I hear somebody say, I waited entirely too long to get married. But all the time I hear people say, oh man, we rushed into something. Fools. We are suffering the consequences. And a lot of times it's after they've already split up that they come to me and they say, and, and they're, they're wishing, I wish I had this question. What is the wise thing to do? I could have saved myself so much. Um, all the time you hear people say, if I'd waited, I wouldn't be in this mess. Or you hear people say, I just wasn't wise. I waited too long to be wise. So you look around and you say, in light of my current state of mind, my emotions, my relationships, my job, what is the wise thing to do? And then there's one more level. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Part of the reason you're not where you want to be right now is because of unwise decisions you made in the past. Your decisions robbed you of your dreams. They robbed your, your spouse, maybe your children, maybe your future spouse. So in light of where you want to be, 5, 10, 30 years, what is the wise thing for you to do today? Your financial future will be determined by the decisions you make today. The health of your marriage, if you're not married, the health of your marriage tomorrow will be influenced by the decisions you make today. The future relationships I have with my children are going to be influenced by the decisions I make while they're still at home. Last night, I, I got in bed, and I don't know what made me think about this. Jenny and I were just talking and uh, before we prayed. And I don't know why this came up, but I realized that uh, I don't think my dad ever tucked me into bed. I don't remember my dad ever saying goodnight, I love you, you know, when I was, when I was laying down in bed. And, and for some reason that hit me last night and I rolled over and I said, our kids just think that's normal. Every night we go in and tell them how proud we are. I tell each one of them, of all the kids in the world to be my son, daughter, you know which one I choose every day? I choose you. And sometimes Hannah, just being silly, she'll go, not Madison? You know, one of her parents, no, what do you Not Kayla? No, what do you so you know which one I choose? I just think that's normal. I want my kids at the holidays to tear up the highways to come home. They can't wait 
to come home see Jacob. If I want that, I've got to be planting those seeds today. Now, if you want to know how far too far is, honestly, the Bible tells us a lot of things. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot of things. But, but let's use this standard. In light of what you want to tell your future spouse someday, one of my best friends said the hardest thing ever was to tell his virgin wife that he wasn't a virgin. He said, so. Um, in light of how far you want your future spouse to go, in light of how many sexual partners you want your future spouse to have. I mean, let's, let's just get down to the nitty gritty. You will bring every person that you've ever had sex with into your marriage relationship. That's just a fact. And you might not admit it, but it's up here. Because of the way we're designed. None of us plans to mess up our lives. I mean, I don't know anybody who says, my goal is to be addicted. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who goes into a marriage and says, my goal is to be divorced. I don't know any teenage girls who say, I plan to get pregnant at a young age. I don't know anybody who says, um, who plans to raise a rebellious child that they have to bail out of jail. Repeated. The, the reason we mess up is because we don't plan not to. How do you plan not to fail? By asking the best question ever. In light of my past, my present, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Right now, I want you to think about what the wise thing to do in your life is. And, and if you don't want to ask the question, well, then you've just found out something about you. If you know the answer and you don't want to follow the answer, the, answer, the wise thing, then you've found out something about you. And you're probably not at the bottom yet. And you will be. If not now, it's going to come. You'll, you'll be at the bottom. We get a lot of people in recovery who finally hit the bottom. And they say, I don't care what people think. I don't care. I have to have something different. And they come to recovery. What is the wise thing to do right now? I want us to memorize this verse. I really want us to start doing memory verses every week. And, and here it is. We're going to work on this one together. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in himself is a fool. All right? Say that with me. He who trusts in himself is a fool. Guys, you say it. Ready? He who trusts in himself is a fool. Come on, ladies, say it with me. He who trusts in himself is a fool. Okay, let's let's make it she, because you'd be happy to tell him. You know what the Bible says? He who trusts in himself. Okay, let's say she. All right, ladies? Oh, y'all are good. Y'all even put the, herself in there. A fool. Anybody plan to be a fool today? I want everyone to call me a fool. Okay. Next part. Read it with me. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Ladies, you put the she in there. All right? Let's all do it together. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Say that one more time. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Let's put it all together. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Do it again. He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Now, this is real important. I used to tell teenagers all the time, you need to know the address. It's not enough just to know it's in the Bible. Where is this found? 
Proverbs 28, 26. Say that again. Now close your eyes. Where is that found? Now, okay, you can open your eyes. Some of you are going to say, but I can't memorize. We used to do a little exercise when I would do a disciple now. I'd be a leader where you stayed in a, in a house all weekend. You had ten kids in your group. And before kids could even complain that I can't memorize the Bible. It's just too hard. We would have this exercise where I would have them write down every phone number they knew and whose it was. Dude, kids knew 75 phone numbers. And I would have them write down, you know, uh, addresses. I'd have them write down birthdays. I'd have them write... Before long, we had pages and pages of stuff. And I said, don't ever tell me you can't memorize. You memorize what's important to you. And if you want to be wise, this is a verse to hang on to. I can't tell you, since Janie and I have been talking about this for about the past six weeks, she's been wearing me out with what is the wise thing to do. We had We had our washing machine go out. And she said, well, should we get it repaired or should we replace it? What is the wise thing to do? And and see, here's let me tell you how wise my wife is. She's been stashing away money for the past three years for a new washer and dryer. She's a lot wiser than I am. And so I get online and I start reading because we take consumer reports and I study. It drives me crazy buying stuff because it usually takes me six months. I used to drive her crazy when we first got married because I'd study. I wanted, I wanted the best rated thing and if I can't find it, I get frustrated. And I was studying and so I went and I was going around and I was looking at all these washers and dryers and I'd come back and I'd pull up consumer reports and say, it's trash. And I'm going, oh, I can't do this. So we started looking at, you know, what consumer reports says to do about whether to buy or replace. And they said after eight years, you probably should replace it. Well, I've had my washing. Here's the other problem. I go into the store and I say, yeah, I had my last washing machine 19 years. And every every salesperson goes, they don't make them like that anymore. Just get your expectations a little bit lower. But I said, babe, what makes this a real easy decision is we got the cash. We don't have to charge it and pay out more money. I said, this is a no-brainer. You got the cash there. Let's let's go get what you want. We found the high rated one, and it was a little bit more money, but it was higher rated. And we said the wise thing for us seems to be get the one we want because we got the cash. Does that make sense? He who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Oh, I wish if I'd asked this question ten years ago, the money I would have, even three years ago. What is the wise thing to do? Well, we can start from now and, and be wise the rest of our lives. And I hope you'll come back the next couple of weeks because we're really going to flesh this out.